organization Katera, which uh, is, I, I believe it's, um, correct me if I'm wrong in the description, but okay. it helps creative entrepreneurs uh, achieve their goals yep. like financially and brand wise and just basically helps them with, you know, all different fronts of like making the right branding themselves correct. Yep. So Katera is a company where I just help creatives to be seen and heard. Oh, yep. perfect. <laughs> so, Kanita Hickman, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ben. I'm You're super so excited welcome. to be here. Good, good. I'm glad to have you. Um, how are you today? I am great. So, I know by the time this airs, it, it'll be a little bit of time that's passed, but we are a couple days after Halloween, mm -hmm. and we just had our first measurable snow, and that yeah. day was miserable. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. So, I'm feeling way better today. The spookiest part of Halloween was all the snow. Goodness gracious. I'm like, when is the last time it snowed that early? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the most snow we'd had on Halloween on record, I saw on the news, and... That's yeah. a record we don't want to break. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... um. It's too cold, and it's also like I always anticipate the first snow after Halloween. Like I look forward to it after Halloween. Right now, it's like well, that's ruined. So, so like, what's it matter? Yeah, like right. I know. I was. I just didn't want to do shit on Halloween. I'm gonna be clear. I didn't do anything on Halloween. Yeah. Like I was supposed to go work out, and I'm like, fuck this day. Right. Like I'm going after work. I just went home and got in a bit. Yep. Yeah, it was like that. I, yeah, it was like hitting my friends up. I'm like, yo, what are you doing tonight? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm not doing, I got no plans. Like, it's cold. It's cold. It's gross outside. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I don't know. I I mean, most of the snow's already gone. But, yeah, now, but now it's like full out winter. We barely had any fall whatsoever. We did not have fall. No. So I am I am concerned about what winter looks like mm -hmm. if our first snow was in October. Right. Yeah. Winter. Uh, winter's here. Okay. It is. It is alive and well, and it's here. And we had like a week of actual fall. A week. I know. It's. And it was beautiful. The leaves had yeah. started to turn. Like where our office is at No Studios, we're on the third floor, so I get to see um, a lot of the trees and a lot of the landscape. Mm -hmm. And so they were, you know. They, the leaves are this pretty orange and red color. Mm -hmm. And then literally like Halloween, it's white. And it, I'll be honest, it was really pretty to have the white next to these orange and red trees, but yeah. I wasn't prepared. I don't have winter stuff yet. No, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I've gotta go to Kohl's and get some stuff. Yeah, like I had barely like start it was like i was wearing my north face because that's like my fall jacket but it's like now i gotta you gotta upgrade right the, the marshmallow coat is yeah. like already uh on deck yeah it's that time for sure <laughs> yeah for sure but yes like you said uh beautiful fall colors we've been having uh mm -hmm. walking over here by like the 
like along the river, the trees are very beautiful. Mm -hmm. So we have that at least, yes. uh, the colors. So what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. Okay. And um, so we've connected on Facebook uh, and like Instagram and whatnot. And we set this up and like I was seeing that, uh, you know, you have your own organizations. I was excited to talk a little bit, a little bit about what you do and what your own goals are and whatnot. Uh, we met in person for the first time at the recent Story Slam, mm -hmm. the X Fabula Story Slam signs. Yep, that was at Company Brewing. It was a company. Yep. Sold out. Yes. Very fun. Mm -hmm. um, it was my first Story Slam uh, as, um, it was my first one ever being at, but also like uh, they're my new sponsors. Sponsor, yeah. So, um, so shout out to X Fabula. Uh, was just at Five Wise yesterday uh, talking to Nicole about the new Story Slam coming up. Oh, Nicole. She's yes. the best. <laughs> and I will be at the Story Slam. So part of my transition in moving into X, into Imagine MKE, I also have to transition out of um, X Fabulous. So I will be at the next few slams. So cool. I, I'll probably be stage managing for sure November, I think maybe December, and maybe that first one in January before I'm completely done. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, We'll uh, see you there then. <laughs> yes, yes. Great. Um, so uh, I'd love to hear to start a little bit about your own background, I guess. Like, uh, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so I started off as a freelance writer. So I wrote my first article at um, age 14. So first published mm -hmm. article. And the big goal for me at that time was to be like the black girl Carson Daly. Mm. That was like nice. life goals. Like he was on TRL. I was like, yes, I need this. And so I knew he'd gotten his start in radio. I got my start in um, print journalism. Eventually I did intern and work in radio and then went back to freelance and just saw that there was this gap in um, creating opportunities for Milwaukee musicians to be heard. Mm -hmm. Part of it was that um, Milwaukee musicians didn't know how to submit to publications. Um, the other part though was that nobody was really checking for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so at that time I'm now writing for national publications and international publications. So it presented an opportunity for me to help get some artists covered. It also presented an <clears throat> opportunity for me on the back end to help them put together their um, press kits and, and such so that they could um, have representation and then from there it moved into artist management and public relations so I think what I found for myself is that artist management for me felt too babysitting mm -hmm. because like when you're managing an artist you are really just focused on like tomorrow like what do I do today to get to tomorrow Versus like really having a strategy. Mm -hmm. So some artists that I managed were like The Cranberry Show, B. Alexander, B. Justice, um, Tape Benders, which is a rock band. Oh yeah, I know Tape Benders. Yep, they were formerly Elusive Parallelograms. Yeah. And so um, all really great acts, all um, with their strengths and weaknesses. And But the struggle of just getting stuck in this routine of like book a show, promote the show, book a show, promote the show. Mm -hmm. Um, becomes very like uh, sort of a cycle yeah. you know yeah it's, it's crazy mundane but also it misses this opportunity to do more and so like with a group like elusive parallelograms Andrew 
I don't know if people know this, but Andrew is like an avid canner. Like he loves pickling things and canning them. Interesting. Like that's his jam, <laughs> right? Um, people also don't recognize that Andrew has this vast knowledge of information um, in terms of music. Just in terms, so he's they're primarily rock, psychedelic rock, yeah, indie rock, sure. whatever. But um, he has such a vast knowledge of hip hop and hip hop history and how all of these genres work together. And so um, I felt like there, there were some missed opportunities where we could show some of his personality, um, as well as the rest of the band, all of the band, you know, um, Chesso and. Um, all of the other fellas, like they all have the, these things that we couldn't bring to the forefront because we were always looking at how to get the next gig. Yeah, for sure. So um, that's kind of how Kiss Communications, which was the artist management and PR company, turned into Katera, which is brand strategy and management. Sure. Yeah. And so under that, and it's really interesting that we're talking about this because even now, right, like I want more independent artist clients, but I've been thinking lately, well, like, what's, what helps the masses the most? Mm -hmm. So, do you, do you sign on a client and take their money, which is really kind of like this higher premium thing, right? Mm -hmm. Or can you create platforms where artists can be a part of it and you build up the platform? And does that help more artists at, at a time? Yeah. So um, under Katera, there's Artist Eats, which is my food and music series with Edible Milwaukee. Hey, Edible. Shout out, Edible. Um, and then I also have um, Our City, Your Vote, which is my music and civic engagement initiative. So that's kind of the company. I do some workshops here and there, some speaking engagements here totally. and there. That's about it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So how did you, I guess, like, uh, so Katera, like, how did it? I guess like kind of become an entity of its own beyond kiss communications so um pro tip number one um i had not legally made sure that i could trademark kiss communications and so i went to marquette's legal entrepreneurship clinic so marquette has a legal entrepreneurship clinic it is free Wow. It is students who are at the senior level, right? Students who are at their senior level um, being advised by an actual working lawyer. And so you can go in um, and they help you with different projects. So the first time I went in as a client was to figure out how to get contracts um, and to make sure that legally KISS Communications was solid as a name and entity. And they were like, oh, there's some trademark infringement here. Um, with Kiss the band. Oh yeah. And so what trademark is, from my understanding, I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me on this, but from what I understand is, would the average consumer think that Kiss Communications was connected in some way to Kiss the band? Sure. And if the average customer like might make that connection, the level at which they might make that connection determines the degree of um, trademark infringement. Sure, yeah. So I had to do a name change. And so we're talking now, at that time, I owned the company name maybe six, seven years. And I'd been working under that name. I'd been, you know, registering it with the department, Wisconsin Department of um, Financial Institutions. So the upside was not as many people were recognized, knew that brand mm -hmm. and knew the name. So it was a good time to change it. 
Um, I think one name I thought about changing it to, I was dating a guy and he suggested Kendrick because my name's Kenita. I don't know where Kendrick came from. <laughs> and I remember the lawyers sent me back an email that simply said, have you heard of Kendrick Lamar? Yeah. Question mark. And I was like, oh, oh no. Oh, God, yeah. So we settled on Katera, which is actually my middle name. Okay. It's also um, the name of a Cadillac. But I don't think anybody will confuse Katera and think that it's a part of the Cadillac brand. So sure, I think yeah. we're good. Um, so yeah, so it's my middle name. We decided on that as a company name. Um, and I really, I think, even when I, we settled on that name, I was also kind of thinking legacy. And like, could I leave this for my niece and nephew? My yeah. niece also has my middle name, Katera. Um, I share a similar name with my mother. Her middle name is Kateri. So Kateri is just, oh, yeah. as a name, is just super important to me. Um, but it was really important, I think, that my company was inclusive of all genres. So I didn't want to be exclusive to anyone, but I also knew that I had to make room for I mean, hip hop, spoken word, R&B. Right. Because the reality is, as much as I love all of the other venues, so you know, if you are doing Americana or folk or country or what have you, you can go to Linnemans. Or Anodyne. Or Anodyne. Uh, or um, Kohanski's mm -hmm. or, right, Shake Hall, yeah. if you willing to pay. But for our venues, you know, so when I started off doing music, Company Brewing was Stonefly. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right, and then um, and we had quarters. Quarters is not an option for a lot of hip hop mm -hmm. artists anymore. There's not a ton of venues now on the north side, and there there never really were. We always had to come to this side of town to to um, do to do shows. But I think having said that, part of my question then is how do artists who aren't able to gig out as much in traditional ways, how do you create opportunities for them? to still build mm -hmm. and I think that's why branding is so important yeah um, and it's not something that we should be talking about when you start streaming a lot or when you get to Jay-Z's level or whoever that person is you're looking to to be like or using as your um, parameter of success we need to be thinking that at the independent level because that is how you build mm -hmm. so so from what it sounds like it's like you're trying to bring each artist's like kind of in the case of Andrew like how he's a canner like bringing their personal expertises sort of into the picture of like who they are mm -hmm. and like kind of using everyone's like personalities as like part of their brand and embracing that rather than thinking strictly like you know this is what you do this is the lane you're in and you only have to move forward yep sure yep and I think that you know, there's a lot of local companies that could benefit from working with independent artists. And so I'm naturally curious about the intersectionality oh, yeah. um, that should exist and, and that doesn't. Um, but I also think that independent artists, because they're so consumed with the art, they don't think about relationships. Like people buy things, products and services from folks that they feel like they have a relationship with. And relationships are really tied to values. Right. And so my company, Katera, believes values plus brand equals culture. Yeah. So at the end of the day, through my company, through everything that you see Katera on, including this podcast, it's like, how do you change the culture? How do you elevate the culture? How do you 
how do you do that and so me saying yes to this podcast is like showing that like we have a relationship now mm -hmm. because there's something about the values on your show right and yes. that you use when you're engaging with guests that i feel like is a match for what i do mutually right. beneficial yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and so like people there, there's a reason why you buy the type of shoes you buy there's a reason why you know for me i really love jelly roll ink pens and um i've been using them i used them in high school and college i really love colorful ink pens yeah and so I remember when I went to UWM, I always go in there and find them. You can find them at Walgreens. And then all of a sudden, they disappeared. They're at Joann's now. And they're at Michael's now. Nice. And so I will go there and just like load up because I'm an avid journaler. But there's something about the values. I believe the company that makes them is uh, Sakuri. I think they're out of Japan. But like, there's something about these ink pens that I'm like, I must use mm -hmm. all the time. I don't really want to use anything else. And so I think that you know, we have to think about how do pe how do consumers make purchasing decisions? How do you make the decision? And so even if you're not purchasing it, how do you make the decision that Mr. Nice Guy podcast is your favorite podcast and that you're only going to listen to him, you know, and you should. <laughs> um, but like, how do you make that decision? How do you make the decision on the type of granola bars you use and the type of music you use and do you listen to Spotify or do you listen to Google Play? Do you do you, are you upset that Spotify doesn't pay its artists more? Like all of those things are values conversations. And so I think as independent artists, we gotta figure out like we have to understand that that is how people make purchasing decisions. <laughs> yeah, well it's also that's all great food for thought because like yeah, like you think about like why you gravitate towards certain products or certain businesses mm -hmm. or you know why you surround yourself with certain people. And why are there businesses you won't go to? Right, exactly. Because there's totally places you won't go. There's totally places where you won't spend your money. Right, yeah. There's totally websites you will not read in the morning, right? And like right. why is that? Exactly. And it's because, you know, does do their beliefs and values align with what yours are? Yep. You know, like do you feel like you're benefiting your character by using this product mm -hmm. or by giving this place your money mm -hmm. or by being friends with certain people? You know, it's like you either do or you don't. Um, there's some that you're entirely neutral with that don't necessarily benefit you or they don't, but they don't hinder you. And those are kind of just like take it or leave it, you know? But yeah, like that's, that's, that's super true. And I think that like, you know, and when it comes to sort of what you were saying about like the intersectionality of brands and entrepreneurship, we only have to gain from having some kind of relationship because, you know, you, like your goals with Katera are to strategically help others like brand themselves and to, you know, make positive like executive decisions about like you know what direction they're taking mm -hmm. whatever it is they do and mine is like you know my goal is to just highlight people and what who they are what they're passionate about like why they do what they do how love and fear play into said passions or creative outlets you know because we all operate out of those driving forces we do you know, we're, we're all very, you know, we all have defense mechanisms, you know, we all have, um, we all have coping mechanisms. Mm -hmm. We all have things that make us apprehensive. We all are afraid of something, you know, like, 
but with doing with being a creative or being a business owner or being just you know any anything like doing anything that you have creative control over like that you take risks with that oh for sure and uh, and you know we're not necessarily like taught the the beauty and the benefit of taking said risks mm. We're taught that, like, you know, we have to live our lives a certain way or that, like, you know, we have this idealistic way of, like, what our lives should be, like, as we grow up and, like, you know, how we should be, you know, basically living our lives. And, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way because every person is different and every person has different passions and every person has different, you know like ways of expressing themselves and I think that should be embraced and not hid. Right. So yeah, like I like and that's the beauty of sponsorships. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's exactly why like I was so happy and excited when X Fabula reached out to me and, you know, we ended up partnering and because their goal is to highlight people yeah. and beauty of of community and to make people feel less afraid of being themselves. And that's exactly, you know, what I hope to accomplish on this show as well. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of other great organizations that are really good at bridging that community in the city. Like I know 889 mm-hmm. is great at highlighting small businesses and, and doing community stories on just unique and special and just awesome people doing just very like you know different things so yeah and i think um you know nicole coming on to ex fabula created the capacity for well one it was something that megan and i just didn't have the time to do mm-hmm. um because so then we're in season 11 she came on season 10 so season 9 it was just us a public ally so myself megan and a public ally and Megan and I were doing our best with marketing, but, um, you know, nothing like what Nicole has been able to do in season 10 um, with the part, the unique partnerships she created, um, the pathways to creating those partnerships and like what those partnerships would physically manifest into. Like, I mean, she's she's great at that, but, you know, she's um, a really cool creative, I think, in a lot of spaces, her photography work. Um, graphic design work, DJ, yeah. like, she's just great. She does a lot of great things. Yeah. Right? yeah. And everyone's going to bring that own, like, flair, you know, that color, that expertise into the space that they're assimilating into. And in that case, it's like, that makes the organization that much more, you know, powerful, mm-hmm. influential, because somebody like that, who is so well-versed in so many different categories, is now part of the team and that's you know that's just that's the beauty of uh you know building building what your brand is and i think that you know when you think about teams and just building like it's so important to get people um who you trust and who are talented at what they do Mm -hmm. and then falling back and letting them do what they do and i had to learn the hard way how to do that when i was um, managing artists because and I think a lot of artists, a lot of creatives, so I'll specifically say musicians. I worked with a lot of musicians who felt like it was very important to um, know how to engineer and produce and write and this and that. And 
for some people that happens out of necessity because they don't have access to a studio so i was watching um rhythm and flow last night the after show mm -hmm. and flawless real talk was talking about that how like well yeah at 15 16 i had to learn how to do all of that because i lived in rhode island and i didn't have access to anybody else but as i got for me kenita as i got older i recognized that why learn how to do something that i'm at best going to be a five at when i can find the money and pay somebody who's a 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I prefer to do. Look, I'm not a photographer. Um, speaking of Nicole, Nicole is always shading me for my selfies because she's like, your lids be dirty. Yeah. What type of angles are you using? And I'm like, ma'am, I didn't go to school for right, this. And yeah. I got an Android, like, leave me alone. But um, it's, I think it's really important to work with people who have that skill set that you're lacking. Um, and allow them to flourish and I can honestly say now like 10 years after like my first act that I've managed having learned that lesson like man the work the work that you're able to do is so much better mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah right exactly another one that comes to mind are like flyers and like uh yes you know like the the graphic design and stuff uh. like, I, I'm no artist I don't I don't color in the lines never could I don't draw. Why should you? Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I, that's not something I'm not even, I'm not even going to like try to spearhead. So it's always great to bring on somebody who makes a living out of doing that. You yes. know, we've got so many great freelance photographers, videographers, designers that yes. you have it, that you can hire to, you know, make a, something great out of, out of what you're doing and here's what i've learned about working with folks when you start to work with people more they lower their price yeah that's why they don't want you to tell the price they're charging you to other people right. because yeah. they're not good so i mean and i just naturally like i love working with teams and i love working with the same people mm -hmm. and so um one of my homeboys uh chris siegel Oh, I just had him on the show two days hey, ago. Yes! <laughs> Chris Was he here talking about uh, Kings? Kings, yes! yeah. Yes! Yeah. Kings is amazing. So he, Yeah, he was drinking coffee, yes. of course. <laughs> so Chris and I met through Whammy some years ago, Wisconsin area music industry, years ago when I was serving as VP. Mm -hmm. Then I had him come on. Um, Kings did a performance with Tape Bitters. Nice. Um, at Cactus Club, and it was fire it wasn't a good show because it was like snowing it was like oh yeah the, it was like worse than the snow we got on Halloween sure yeah and so um but then when I decided I wanted to start like capturing my workshops and things like that I reached out to Chris um all of the headshots that you see on all my social media profiles those are photos from Chris that we took almost three four years ago it was two days before Trump was elected oh yikes Damn. That I so actually I got the photos the day we elected that Trump was elected into office. Damn. So I remember getting that email and also watching the results come in. I hate thinking about that day. Oh, uh, it's imprinted in my mind. I sure. hate, and also I hate the day after that. Ugh. Those are like the two like they're just really really gruesome memories. And I hate that I've attached the memory of Chris's photos to that yeah. but yeah so like you build a relationship with folks 
and people also then get to know you so like from that relationship of the headshots moving into doing some of this workshop stuff where he came and recorded workshops and things like that and then I went to him and I was like look I'm gonna start wearing um, independent designers to my engagements and I think the best way to show that is doing a photo shoot before the event mm -hmm. actually I said taking pictures he said why don't we do a photo shoot before your event? So before you get on stage, let's spend 30, 40 minutes just taking pictures. So we started doing that. And the pictures are amazing. We get to highlight these independent designers and boutiques that um, I get to wear from across the country. And I mean, I ain't paying where everybody else paying. Like, right. I guarantee you that. He's also the photographer and um, one of the videographers for Artist Beats. Mm -hmm. So again, as you can see, like I like to use the same people over and over. That's another branding strategy though. That's continuity. Yeah. If you have the same people working on all of your pieces, they're gonna look like they all go together. Yeah, for yeah. sure, totally. Yeah, support that that measure a lot. Like I, I, it definitely makes sense because you build that trust mm -hmm. for sure. So yeah, tell me about. Um, so I know you said that you have different like uh, components of Katera. So Artist Eats, mm -hmm. tell me about that one. Yeah, so Artist Eats is this music and food series that right now is being distributed through Edible Milwaukee, and it's really just an interview with an artist. Um, over food at a local restaurant nice and then um a performance cool and so our first our pilot episode so i had written um three pieces for edible one with reggie bonds one with bobby drake and then one with this uh jazz and blues singer who was based in milwaukee but is now based in austin um roxy copeland and so after that it was like uh, maybe they were like you know it might be better if we do this digitally so let's start doing videos. And so our first one, like I said, was Lord Freddy and Cue the Sun. We um, ate at the Tandem. And the Tandem is one of my favorite places. If you have not tried their sweet potato cobbler, you must do so. Haven't yet. Gotta go. Oh, bless you, <laughs> Jesus. That is so good. <laughs> so, um, and then we, sh we did a performance at Cactus Club. And really, for me, I've always wanted, again, back to Carson Daly. Um, when I, so I was... In seeing an event um, for my homegirl who owns Celesta. What's up, Mel? And um, <laughs> the owner of Edible Milwaukee and Wisconsin Foodie, which is on PBS, oh, yeah. was in the vegan taco eating contest. And he's like, who's that girl? And he and I built a relationship from there. We both have a love of Carson Daly. Nice. We both wanted to do something that kind of felt like last call, but not quite. Um, and somehow, um, I was, you know, it was like, well, let's just strip all of this back and what do we really want to do? Well, I want to feature artists. And the other thing he was like is you have to host it. And I was like, Ugh, I should really just be the background producing it. And he's like, no, you need to host it. So that's kind of how it came to be. I created this concept. Uh, we shot the pilot, sent it to Edible, and, you know, it's a go. So um, now we are looking at our first six artists for the full season that'll start airing um january 2020 Word. and um i think the big key to this show is that it has to be diversity in ages of artists of, of musicians sure. but also in diversity 
So, I mean, we're looking at bringing on, of course, hip hop, but also country and where are the pop artists in Milwaukee and where are our folk singers in Milwaukee. And so I think if we can create something where there's diversity in age range and genre, we can really kind of highlight what makes our creative community cool in Milwaukee. I, that, you hit it spot on. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> It's so cool to watch like artists of totally different calibers like in just everyday like situations or all being immersed in like the same kind of like culture. Mm -hmm. So like grabbing a bite to eat with them. It's like they may make completely different music from each other, maybe completely different like people, but it's like, you know, observing them and hanging out with them in the same situations is always like such a really fun and cool experiment. Yeah. Definitely. That's why I love bringing so many artists onto the show. Cause like, it's so cool to see different people, you know, hearing what they have to say or, but you know, we're all, it's the same format mm -hmm. all the time. And I think there's also something really cool about not having to perform. And so yeah. I wanted to create opportunities where artists didn't just have to perform. Right. Yeah. Um, and so how, you know, how can we have a conversation? And what does it look like to have a conversation when you don't have an album that needs to be released? Oftentimes, um, independent creatives think the only time to engage the media is when I have um, a new piece of music coming out or I have an upcoming show. Mm -hmm. Those are certainly good opportunities, but again, in talking about this idea of branding and being well-rounded, how do you engage them at other times? And so Artist Eats is a time where we can have a really bomb meal together um, and uh, talk, just have a conversation. And I, I, for me, I think that this is really a culture show. Like, independent music and local food build cultures across the, the world, um, in cities across the world. And so how do we show how beautiful Milwaukee is yeah. in terms of its music and um, diverse food scene? And so. I'm looking forward to getting to uh, restaurants yeah. all across the city. Totally, there's so many. I yes. just Actually, speaking of which, I just, uh, I was at the, so I was recording with Nicole uh, yesterday at Five Wise on the south side. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple doors down from it is this Arenda. place, Arenda Cafe. Oh. I had ate lunch there and the braised pork belly uh, sandwich. <laughs> B-L-A-T, pork belly, lettuce, avocado, tomato. Mm. So fire. They have a, smoke, a smoky chicken omelet with gouda cheese. Mm. Um, but also they got this fire mint lemonade Ooh. where they actually put mint um mint leaves in it it is fire Damn. you need it in your life gonna have to go there the next time yes <laughs> yeah. and in the summer they did a strawberry mint lemonade equally fire um so arenda is the place to go is you get crazy big servings right uh, yeah. like you get so much food yeah they gave me a free uh they filled my coffee up for free on my way out too very kind of them it was uh, Dia de los Muertos, so and it was also half price. Everything was nice. half price. So even better. Shout out to Orenda Cafe. Yes, and you know what? We got to put Orenda on the list so that we can go check them out for Artist Eats. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, so uh, there's the Artist Eats. What was the other one? Our city, your vote, and so yeah. that's a music and civic engagement initiative, and it's really like how do we get out the vote in communities of color with millennials, with hip hop consumers, um, leveraging the voice of independent musicians. I think 
if people wanted to like strip my brand down to like its essence, all of my work always goes back to how do I support independent creatives? How do I support independent musicians? And so, um, yeah, so we had an event last year at, um, oh my gosh, River West Public House. Mm. And um, I almost called it Riverside. And I'm a king girl. We don't even talk about Riverside. <laughs> <laughs> so it's River West Public House. Yeah. And um, yeah, Lord Freddy did that performance as well. I love Lord Freddy. I love Q the Sun. They are so supportive of me. Um, but the idea was, so in the morning, we did something at an NPS high school, getting folk, kids registered to vote, mm -hmm. and also getting a post for what issues were most important to them. And then we had the party in the evening where we also registered people to vote. Um, so we raised quite a bit in sponsorship dollars, had a lot of in-kind donations, but um, also kind of started building this momentum into DNC 2020. Oh, yeah. So we are looking at doing some more programming. So I'm um, at the table right now talking to a youth-led organization here, LIT, um, oh, yeah. and also um, League of Women Voters. Oh, who um, this older group of women who are volunteers who go into a lot of the NPS schools to like get people registered to vote who are of age and so um, so on the back end it's become this intergenerational movement um, of how do we get communities of color millennials hip-hop consumers to vote um, and how do we do that using independent music for local elections so that's the I think the other piece too Often we're really consumed with national elections and it's it's hard not to be. It's on your local news, it's on your national news, if you have cable, it's on your podcast. Um, yeah. But really like what our governors are doing, what our county supervisors are doing, what our city aldermanic folks are doing, um, that stuff has a much more immediate impact on our everyday lives. Mm -hmm. um, those folks are the people who determine what neighborhoods get what types of monies for their schools. Um, yep. You know, they're the people who determine where should stoplights and stop signs be on corners. And I think if, if people are empowered to change their community, then they also must become empowered to um, vote in local elections. Mm -hmm. And so long term, our city, your vote, will move into workshops for community members. Um, I, I wanna make sure that I stay away from the work that other orgs are doing. So you've got Block um, with, I think who's, I know for sure it's headed by Angela, I don't wanna get her last name wrong though, with Facebook friends. I wanna say Angela Lang. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, Angela yes. Yeah. So. Angela Yang, Angela Lang, excuse me, um, is heading that up. And I really, you know, it's really important to me with everything that I create. My thing is music. My thing is creative, right? Mm. I'm not knocking doors. I'm not doing any of that. Right. And I don't, I don't want to intrude on the great work that other orgs are yeah, doing. Yeah, for sure. What I want to do is supplement that by tying in this music component and tying in this other opportunity, this other language that we can use to talk to folks. And music, hip hop is a great entryway to build relationships with people. Yes, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. um, I love that. <laughs> um, I yes, uh, despite despite like you know a lot of the 
political, socioeconomic issues that you know our city deals with, whether it's the segregation, the crime, the gentrification. You know, I think that our creative scene is a wonderful sort of response to all that in terms of empowerment mm -hmm. and people feeling like they can do some kind of artistic front or entrepreneurial front that is like their way of, you know, making change yeah. and making all the people feel like they can also make that change too. So that's real. And, um, yeah, that's more important than ever right now. Yeah. As, you know, River West gets even more and more gentrified. <laughs> I mean, and, and how do you how do you feel about that? Like, what what are your thoughts on that? On um, gentrification. Yeah. I mean, it's. Like, I mean, because some people say it's not bad because that brings money into underserved communities, that brings attention to underserved communities, and there are other folks that are like, yeah, but like, what happens to the people who are displaced? Right. So I think that. That's a good question, and I think that like it may not always be done with the intention of like pushing people out or displacing, disenfranchising other folks. But I think what makes it really difficult, what makes it rough, and why a lot of people don't like it is because it definitely like it sort of fucks with like the 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 taxes and like the standard of living for mm -hmm. that community. So it makes it more expensive to live there or it makes it like more difficult to like for like local businesses or you know uh landlords to like you know to run their their facilities or their mm. places like efficiently with the standard that you know people have affordably been able to sustain mm -hmm. so when you know, this high-end, like, trendy, like, upscale apartment building or other, you know, franchised uh, establishment gets put in this area, you know, it makes it, like, sure, it's like it might have everything you need or want, like, for the convenience factor of it or the luxuriousness of it, but at the at this the the like the um the the detriment of like the the local businesses that are already there yeah or you know that you know affordable living wage or that affordable rent that you have in that neighborhood that you might be living by that's at risk now yeah that's where gentrification is really shitty I mean, I feel like there it's nuanced, right? I think we live yeah. in this this space where there are some really shitty things that happen. Like, don't get me wrong, there are some there are some shitty things that happen. But I also think we are right now in this very like polarizing space mm -hmm. and this like cancel culture, right? Yeah. And it's like we can't. I personally, I can't cancel everything. I can definitely cancel R. Kelly. Right. Uh, Bill Cosby is absolutely on an indefinite pause, if not canceled. I haven't consumed any of his products. Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Jackson currently is on. That one's one of the most polarizing ones. It's on, he's on. He's on a long-term pause right now. Yeah. I haven't been able to wrap my mind around which which way to go. Um, but people, 
like in thinking about this idea of polarizing people are surprised when I'm like um I'd love to talk to more conservative people and they're like what the fuck for and I'm like because I think I am curious as to how they arrived at their thoughts on an issue. I, yeah, I agree too. Right. I, I'm in the same way. And also, it's also important to keep in mind that acting out of anger or resentfulness towards somebody that you don't know that might have like a more conservative, you know, slant on politics. Right. Like, you don't know how they arrived at that conclusion, yep. and you also like don't know who they are or what they've been exposed to yep. growing up. You know, like I don't. Yeah, it's like yeah, like there's things where I'm like, there'll be plenty of things I see on my Facebook feed where it's like, oh, this person you know is like saying really problematic shit, or oh, this person's totally talking out of privilege. Mm-hmm. I see that shit all the time, but I'm not going to immediately say, oh, you're a piece of shit or like you or like, fuck you. It's like, that's not going to solve anything. You it know? isn't. It isn't. Now, I think there's a time where eventually you do have to make a decision yeah. like, yo, like, like there's a difference between, you know, it's so, again, it's so nuanced because at some point, like, I mean, I've definitely unfollowed people, right, yeah. on my Facebook page because their content is a little too petty yeah, for or, me. Or very deliberate. Or very deliberate. Yeah, yeah. Or like, it's a lot of sneak shade. And for me, that's just not a set of, to me, that, that value system is not how I choose to live my life. Like that's not a type of energy I'm interested in seeing in mm -hmm. my newsfeed. Yeah. Um, and I don't want the Facebook's algorithms to think that I do. Right, so, yeah. So <laughs> like, let's, so. let's, let's help the algorithms manage this a little better. Um, but I think the, the cancel culture um, makes us not listen to the other side. Yeah. And again, sometimes people are saying like some really shitty things where you just have to be like okay now yeah. this is fuck enough like i'm done yeah. but by and large i think there's opportunities for empathy and understanding not in changing your mindset right. but in empathy and understanding because i do think that is how we build community yeah i agree and and also like yeah I, like I, for me it's also all about like I'm all for, like, if you just, like, there's people that don't have the same political views as me, you know, see the world in a different way. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's just, like, if you're a person that acts out of respect for others, then, you know, by all means, like, I'll, I'll have a conversation with you. Like, I can even, you know, be, like, I can totally be cordial with somebody that, you know, they may not see the world the same way as me. They may have a different philosophy, but, you know, like... I'm not going to try to change your mind. I just want you to hear where I'm coming from. As long as you give me that respect, and as long as you respect those around you, if I know, if I can sense in your soul, you wouldn't wish harm on anybody, then, you know, by all means, like, I, I'm totally willing to meet you there. Mm -hmm. But, and also to keep in mind, there may be people that may hold your exact views on the world, like, politically. They may vote for all the same people that you do. 
but it doesn't mean they're not a shitty person. Right. There's still people that are very problematic in, in there our are. Own communities. There are. And I think that, for me at least, I feel like I work really hard to take those, to take folks individual by individual. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's in everything that I, I try to do. So versus, you know, being like, oh, this person said I ain't something like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so I try to live that way. Yeah. And I get it when people can't do that, when people just don't have the capacity and are very much like, very like selective on who they like give the time. Like I get it because, mm -hmm. you know, people have traumas and oppressions yep. and hardships that I can't fathom. I'm a cisgender white male. You know, I, like, I by all means, like, don't expect people of communities that, like, I am not directly a part of, I can't blame them for being that guarded because, you know, like, they have every right to be. Yeah. Society has been against them, mm -hmm. you know, for history. So, yeah, I take it individual by individual as well. Like, I... I'm Mr. Nice Guy, so I try to see the best in everybody, and I try to just meet somebody somewhere, but sometimes it's like sometimes you... Sometimes it's not possible. Right. Sometimes you need to look out for yourself as mm -hmm. well. So tell me a little bit about uh, Imagine MKE. Ooh, yes! Imagine MKE! So Imagine MKE is the Arts and Culture Chamber of Commerce, and nice. so... Um, you know, I've been saying I'm super honored to work for Imagine MKE because you know, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, when I wrote my first article, I never even imagined that Milwaukee would have a thing like that. Mm -hmm. um, and a thing that is incredibly inclusive and incredibly accessible to everybody. And so with that, you know, we have, we're working on how do we engage neighborhoods? Um, how do we do more with arts advocacy and policy mm -hmm. work? So listen, if you're an artist, you know, we want to start looking at at what policies need to be in place for you to get more money like yeah. to do the work that you love to do so how does the city get more grants how do we bring in more of those opportunities for, for um, creatives and when I say creatives we're talking visual artists we're talking writers we're talking um, musicians fashion designers filmmakers. dancers filmmakers culinary arts so creatives like all of us podcasters right and so my job specifically as director of artist supporting outreach is to right now do two things so over the past two years there have been these different convening groups of different creatives and what came out of these focus groups of sorts was that creatives felt like one they lacked the entrepreneurial skills to move ahead. So whether that's how to market, how to use LinkedIn and Instagram, um, how to cold call people, like how to talk to people, um, like that was one thing that was indicated. The other thing that um, came out of that work was that there, there are some barriers that are preventing artists from all industries of being able to make money, sell their work, and really be able to move ahead. So I am tasked with providing opportunities for creatives to develop more entrepreneurial skills and also 
um, work to eliminate um, some of those barriers or, or understand why. So one thing, literally, one thing that has been on my mind the past few days. So we just had our first gallery night a couple weeks ago. We activated that corner of 27th Street, Fond du Lac and Center. Okay. So we had um, some poetry with uh, Aton Bishop um, and his collective. And we had a couple, we had an artist, um, Allison, I forget his last name, but at Center Street Library. We then activated the Brick Building, which is a co-working space, um, from five to nine. And simultaneously, we activated Wisconsin Black Historical um, um, Society sure. from five to nine as well. And so um, there are no art, there's no art galleries in that immediate area. So, after the event, I went home and literally the thing I've been thinking about is, well, let's say it's date night. So last night, Friday night, was a date night, yeah. me and the boo. Mm -hmm. And I was like, where would I go in Milwaukee if I wanted to look at a local or ind independent photographers, Milwaukee-based photographers? So let's say Nicola Costa, right? Yeah. Let's say she's like, yo, um, I'm doing an exhibition on here's the theme, whatever, and it's at this gallery. Where can I go to do that for photography? And I don't know the answer to that yet. So getting back to my work at Imagine MKE, my work is in answering those questions. Sure. And either finding the institutions and systems where those exist or finding a way to create it. Sounds like you're using a lot of the similar like uh, skill sets and missions of Katera in a lot of ways. Absolutely. I mean, this job, when I finally got it, I felt like I have I was born to do this. Oh, like this is literally what I've spent the past 21 years of my life doing. But that the work that I was doing was primarily musicians. And again, primarily hip-hop, R&B, and spoken word because they lack some of the traditional systems that allow them to work in the same way that other folk, uh, other um, music genres can. Now, I get to work with all creatives and I really get to work um, bird's eye view down. So if Katera is grassroots, um, I feel like Imagine MKE is both grassroots and grass tops. And I think my um, position puts me in a, in a space where I can kind of like survey the land mm -hmm. and then say, okay, well, this is, this is, this, this particular thing will help visual artists and this will help sculptors and this will help. So yeah. yeah so awesome. I'm, I'm super excited because uh, again, when I, when I got the job, I was like, okay, well, we're talking a lot about musicians and visual painters and blah, blah, blah. But podcasters need to be here you know we're starting to see more of these things emerge um and so yeah my, like i said my job is to stay on top of that and i'm super duper excited about it um because as i was telling my boss you know my goal with this job over the next three four five years is to really build the blueprint and then skedaddle so you know so that we can give space for the next person again i did two seasons at x fabula it was probably time for me to roll out. And so I'm super excited about whoever is going to be coming in at event producer. I don't know who this person is. I haven't met them yet, but um, I'm excited about whoever it may be um, because they'll be able to take the template that was created and finesse it even more. 
Milwaukee's crazy. seems very fortunate to have you. Oh, <laughs> thank you. I feel like they're fortunate to have you too, oh my man. <laughs> All right, Kanita. Hey. Hey. <laughs> well, we had a great, uh, great conversation all about the creative scene, about Katera, about Imagine MKE, yep. about... It's fabulous. Red about it's fabulous, building the community. Yep. You know, the grassroots grass stops. <laughs> grassroots Love it all. Grass yeah. <laughs> Every part of the grass. Yes. Um, all of it's good. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me what keeps you up at night. <sighs> what keeps me up is not, at night, I think, is being worried that I don't have enough time. And so feeling like I need to use every minute of every day to do more, to build yeah. my legacy before, you know, um, before it's time for me to leave right. this, this place. Not enough uh, hours in the day. Not sure. enough hours in the day and um, too much ambition, I think. Yeah, great. Spills over. Mm -hmm. um, what puts you to sleep, though? Uh, my meditation app. Oh, sweet. Nice. <laughs> Solid. My meditation app. And um, I usually fall asleep watching MSNBC. Oh, great. <laughs> um, specifically the Brian Williams uh, <laughs> 11th Hour Show. Shout out Brian Williams 11th Hour Show. What yeah. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ben. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> um, so check out Katera. Check out Imagine MKE. And... Uh, we're excited to see the fine work that Kanita continues to do for our creative scene. Get in touch with her. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for watching. Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time. Bye. Two, three, four. Mr. Nice Guy.